This is QJ Martin, and you're listening to the Write a Novel podcast, providing you with the tools and instructions that you need to write your novel. Hello, and welcome to the second part of my three-part series on how to fix Thor Love and Thunder. If you haven't seen part one, be sure to go to my channel and check it out when you have a chance. Maybe even give it a like if it's worth it. Interacting with videos like that really helps with their exposure and makes it possible for creators like myself to continue to provide you with the best content we possibly can. However, most of my steps for fixing this film are self-contained. So you can watch this video right here, right now, without needing to fear that you're missing out on anything. So without further ado, here are my next four steps for fixing Thor Love and Thunder. Step four, add some subtext to the film. This point actually made it into my script thanks to a video I watched a couple of weeks ago called How Bad Dialogue Ruined Thor 4 by The Closer Look. It's a pretty amazing video that's definitely worth your watch. The main focus of it is the unrealistic, on-the-nose dialogue of Thor Love and Thunder, as well as its complete lack of subtext. Subtext, in case you didn't know, involves the things that a scene conveys to you without directly saying them out loud. A great deal of Thor 4 was spent either having the characters say exactly what they were thinking, down to the slightest detail, or on Korg's cringe narration telling us exactly how they feel. There are three problems with this. First, the members of the audience that are watching the film are not idiots. We don't need to be spoon-fed every single little detail. We can tell that Thor and Jane are growing apart without Korg literally saying they built walls between them in his narration. Second, when we as the viewers put together the pieces of the puzzle on our own, it makes the experience so much more enjoyable. Even if it's just little things that we catch on to, we're happy to have picked up on those details, and we feel smart for being able to connect the dots. This cannot happen when everything is spelled out in such painfully complete detail for us. And third, people just don't talk like that. Star-Lord has a line near the beginning of the film where he says, After thousands of years of living, you don't seem to know who the heck you are. I've been lost before, but then I found meaning. I found love. This just is not realistic dialogue. And sure, you could argue that some people talk like that, but most people don't. And besides, realistic or not, Adding those layers of subtext to scenes like this will still greatly increase our enjoyment of them. Honestly, I find it odd that Thor Love and Thunder suffered from such a blatant lack of subtext. Yet at the end of the film, there's a scene that's so well done and so powerful that it stands out as one of the best moments of this movie. Jane shows up during the final showdown with Gore the God Butcher. Thor looks at her and just says, No, Jane. There was genuine depth and subtext to that scene. We already know that one more transformation into the mighty Thor will kill Jane. We can piece that together as soon as we see her, and Thor's heartbroken yet simple reaction to her appearance is all the more poignant for it. To be completely honest, I half expected Kor to start narrating right then and there, 
Because Thor knew that if Jane Frogster transformed into the mighty Thor one more time, she would die. I am so glad and so surprised that this didn't actually happen. And it just makes me lament what could have been for the rest of the film. Step 5. Give Gore someone, or more specifically, something to talk to. Most villains, even the most well-developed ones, benefit from having someone to talk to in order to express themselves. The Joker presented his plan to countless mobsters and drug dealers. Hannibal Lecter laid bare at least a portion of his soul to Clarice. Agent Smith spouted his rhetoric every chance he got. This, of course, gave rise to the joke about villains liking to monologue, which was played to perfection in The Incredibles. And yes, villain expositing can be overdone, especially if they choose inconvenient times to spout their spiel. But villains deserve to be developed just as well as the heroes do. The only difference is that the heroes are usually surrounded by secondary characters that they can share their every thought with, while at best, villains find themselves in the company of a few useless henchmen. Thor, Love and Thunder, however, provides Gore with a perfect outlet to express himself in the form of the Necrosword. We already saw hints of the sword communicating with Gore, such as when it called to him to slay his first god, and the visions it gave him about how to use Stormbreaker in order to reach eternity. But if we actually got to see Gore interacting with the Necrosword, it would allow us to both have a clearer glimpse into his psyche and to see the progression of his character arc firsthand. Instead of going straight from religious zealot to mass murdering lunatic in five seconds, we could see him stealing his resolve to continue on his quest over the course of the movie. In the beginning, he could express to the sword that he has some reservations about killing all the gods, but it convinces him little by little with each massacred god that he is doing the right thing. The only thing he can do. It isn't until Gore sees Thor summon the Bifrost by means of Stormbreaker that the Necrosword informs Gore that he could use that weapon to reach eternity. Because let's be honest, if the very first thing the sword told him about was how to reach eternity, as we saw in the actual movie, then why wouldn't Gore just go straight to attack Thor in the first place? Why mess with the other gods at all if he's immediately provided with a better solution? Step 6. Make the movie about more than just sticking to the status quo. The only thing Thor is fighting for in this movie is to keep the gods from being killed. But never in the entire film does he ever contemplate whether that is even a worthwhile goal. Sure, what Gore is doing is terrible, and any good person would try to stop him. But you'd think Thor would at least acknowledge at some point that maybe Gore has a point. I mean, let's be honest about this. Thor literally tries to kill a god all on his own for the exact same reason that Gore is trying to kill the gods. Because he's selfish and self-centered and won't do anything to help his subjects and even nearly kills his best friend. If there was ever a time to have an actual discussion about the merits of Gore's plan, without a doubt, it would have been right then. This movie is a lot like Black Panther in that the hero is fighting to maintain the status quo. He just wants everything to stay the way it is, for better or worse. The only difference is, though, that in Black Panther, T'Challa is able to see things from Killmonger's point of view. 
and by the end of the movie, he's managed to find a peaceful balance between his world's view and that of Killmonger. On the other hand, when the credits roll on Thor Love and Thunder, nothing has changed. Imagine if Thor told Gore in his dying moments that he would do everything possible to make sure that there were changes. He would make it his mission to convince the gods to get out of their metaphorical slumber and start taking an active role in the events of their domains once again. This would show us that Thor understood why Gore was doing what he was doing. And even though his methods were wrong, he did have a point. And Thor's willing to learn from that experience and try to make the galaxy a better place. And, let's be honest, having Thor raise an army of child soldiers in order to fight to maintain a troublesome theocracy is a bit of a bad look on his part. Step 7. Give Valkyrie something to do. I don't really know why, but for some reason Tessa Thompson looks so bored throughout the entire movie. Like, I get the idea that her character is tired of all the petty political stuff she has to do as King of New Asgard, but that's not even what I'm referring to. The character wants to get back out there and get into some battles and die as a warrior, but the actress looks like she could just flop down on the couch and watch soaps all day with no warning whatsoever. On top of that, it's really weird that Valkyrie describes so clearly that her entire goal is to die in battle so that she can go to Valhalla. And then, when the time for the final showdown comes, she tells Thor that she's not going to help him confront Gore because she'd probably die in battle. Like, okay, what sense does that even make? Off the top of my head, I'm not really sure what specifically could be done to make her character more interesting and more involved in the story, but I'm hoping to have some more ideas by the time I make the final part of this three-part video series on how to fix Thor Love and Thunder. If you like this video, please be sure to give it a like. It is very helpful for the algorithm and my channel's exposure if you do that. If you'd like to see part three upon its release, be sure to subscribe and press the bell icon so that you'll be notified when I upload new videos. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Write a Novel Podcast. If you'd like to read the transcript of this episode, you can find it at thewriterseverything.org slash transcripts. If you'd like to listen to future episodes, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're currently listening on, and be sure to give it a rating while you're at it to let me know what you think of the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash qjmartin. For your convenience, all the referenced links will also be in the show notes.